0: the adam crowley show love you 970 espn this it's is a- adam crowley i think it is he's a good guy he really is he's a good host i enjoyed me you know and now we're talking about a weekly spot on the show and i'm just telling adam i better be picked. freebies are up adam crowley on espn pittsburgh
1: back to hockey lots of hockey news today surrounding the Pittsburgh Penguins their play-by-play voice Steve Mears joins us right now you can catch Steve on all the games on AT&T Sportsnet during the regular season also on the NHL network as well Steve were you in the draft uh, in Dallas were you down there for that
2: no I was not there i watched every minute of it though on TV and uh, I was tempted to go because it's such a great city Dallas and getting to see everybody and uh... As you know, which is a great time in Dallas, but decided to stay home.
1: See, I don't know that because the only time I was in Dallas for an extended period of time was for the Super Bowl when the Steelers lost the Packers, and it was 20 degrees, and it was colder there than I ever was in six years at Syracuse. I do not have <laughs> a fond impression of Dallas. I don't.
2: Uh, now, if you had gone to the draft, you would have felt the sweltering yeah. the summer heat, which wasn't going to be enjoyable. Either way, so another reason for me to stay in Pittsburgh and just enjoy my off time.
1: A recurring theme today, Steve, has been me bemoaning the loss of Pantera drummer Vinnie Paul and connecting that to the Dallas Stars goal song. Because Mike Heike did a great piece on that on NHL.com today. So, I, I take it, have you been in every building in the National Hockey League currently? Yeah, Yeah. You yeah. have? Okay, so who has the opposing building, who has the best goal song?
2: The best goal song is easily the New York Rangers. Easily. Get everybody going. It's been going. They had that song since the 90s, and the Penguins played them in the playoffs. So they got the history. It's it's seared into your brain when you hear it without question. You feel like you're right at the guard when you hear that song, New York Rangers all the way.
1: Yeah, I'm a Pantera guy, so I'm going to go with Dallas, but you're not a Chelsea Dagger guy at all, huh?
2: Oh, my God. Now, to talk about being seared into your head. Now, that <laughs> well, is... yeah,
1: because you, well, you called the 10-goal game, right?
2: Oh, that's true. Yeah, well, that, that's right. I forgot about the that. The anti-Niemi so,
1: experience.
2: That was the least of my worries was the goal song on that night. But I uh, mean, it's been going on for years when they had their cup runs, and you'd hear it, and it's just like you, you cannot erase that from your memory. If you hear that tune one time, it will be there for maybe the rest of the week.
1: Do you like Jack Johnson's music? And will that be a part of the Penguins' playlist when, or if he ever scores as a Penguin moving forward?
2: I I think this has been talked about for a while. There's always been the connection uh, Crosby and Johnson going back to their days at Shattuck and prep school.
1: Yeah, no Uh, kidding. This is like a move that this is a move that has been talked about literally, Steve, for years. Jack Johnson has been traded to the Penguins for about seven years now. I'm just glad it finally happened so we can stop pontificating about and speculating about whether or not it's going to... He's been traded to the Penguins more often than Yarmir Yager has been coming back.
2: <laughs> or Dan Hamhuis. I was going to say, he's the <laughs> other one. He's like an ine- inevitable Penguin. And they actually had his rights, I remember, at one yes, point. Yes, they did. Signed. Uh, so and now that, that ship has sailed, but... As far as Jack Johnson, I like it. If that does come to fruition, we don't know if it is for sure, and uh, you know he could end up getting a much better offer, but it does make a whole lot of sense. Uh, he's only 31 years old, didn't have a good year last year, but I'm not going to write him off. He's had a solid career, and sometimes you have to pony up to get these guys, knowing the competition that's going on in the market, you have to maybe pay a little bit more, maybe give a little bit more terms, so that that's the case. and and uh, just looking at some of the rumors out there, and then I'm totally fine with it. 31 years old. And, and one thing I was thinking about today and, uh, and, and just being around the, the Capitals when they won the Stanley Cup, remember how much criticism there was when the Caps signed Brooks Orpik and Matt Niskanen to the deals that they got. I think Niskanen got a seven-year deal. Orpik got signed when he was like 34 years old, got a pretty big contract. And everybody was critical of the Washington Capitals and those moves. But look how that paid off. Orpic, who had only one year left, helps them to a Stanley Cup championship, and then they ship him off to Colorado, and and no big deal there. They won a Stanley Cup with him, and Matt Niskanen in the prime of his career, a huge part of their Stanley Cup win, and he still has term left, and, and it's actually looking like a pretty smart deal. So these puck moving defensemen, especially and one like Jack Johnson's case, who can skate still, I think you can't have too many of these guys uh, I'm, I'm a fan of it if that's what ends up happening it makes a lot of sense to me
1: you know who's been traded here a couple times too that hasn't actually been traded here is grabner yes yeah might, well, might that happen in free agency one. this year
2: i i i actually just saw some tweets and uh you never know what what the real story is but uh, there's a lot of teams that are after michael grabner and uh if, if that's uh one name that the penguins have on their board that's another one that makes so much sense because you know the style that they want to play you know what he can do as one of the fastest players in the NHL they now need a penalty killing forward if tom cookle is not going to be back then you're going to have to find somebody who uh, who is going to be in that role as a penalty killing forward michael grabner can do that he's a shorthanded threat he seems to get a breakaway every night just a matter of finishing for him and uh, that, that's one where you hope if the competition is high for his services, you hope that the Penguins and the allure of playing for Pittsburgh, being on a Stanley Cup championship contending team, and a tremendous organization, you hope that that will be what entices Michael Grabner to come to Pittsburgh if that's what the Pens are looking for. But I, it, it makes a whole lot of sense to me. If I were Jim Rutherford, I'd definitely be calling him up.
1: He plays right side, though, right? Or does he play left?
2: I think he plays both. In time with the Rangers, if I remember correctly, he plays a little bit of both, but
0: I, uh, you know,
2: I'd like to think he's a versatile enough guy where uh, it doesn't really matter which side. And I think the penalty killing, that one stands out to me. You have to have good penalty killing, if not great penalty killing. And uh, the Pens have some of those guys and uh, Carl Hagelin, and, and maybe Zach Aston Reese is going to get an opportunity to do some PK next year, but you, you got to have those uh, talented defensemen getting the job done, and then those forwards, to have a guy like Michael Grabner, who is a threat every time he's out there on the PK, I think it'd be huge.
1: Joining us is Steve Mears, the play-by-play voice for AT&T Sportsnet. You can catch him during all Penguins games on TV here locally. We're talking about the moves today surrounding the Penguins as free agency approaches. Already discussed the news that Jack Johnson is likely coming here somewhere between a five- and six-year deal somewhere between what appears to be 14 and $16 million, and those couple other millions of dollars uh, for all of us would be a big deal, Steve, but particularly for Jim Rutherford, seeing as how, well, if he comes on board, let's say he comes on board for three, and then you get Riley Sheehan and uh, Jamie Alexiak for five combined, as opposed to what they were last year, which was three combined. All of a sudden, the cap savings that you got by shipping out Sherry and Hunwick, it's gone. And you haven't even gotten to free agency yet. So if they're going to get Grabner or anybody else for that matter, another domino is going to have to fall.
2: Yeah, it's going it's to be tough. It's that, and then We know that because the, this is the situation they've been in as a salary cap team now for a while. And then hearing this news that the competition is pretty high for Grabner makes me think that that's just not going to happen because some team is really going to wow him. And, uh, and chances are they're going to throw a lot of money in his direction, and it'd be tough for him to turn it down. But uh, the good news is, that just listening to Jim Rutherford at the draft and earlier on today at development camp, he realizes that he's got a really good team and doesn't have to make major moves, and he's not going to make a move just for the sake of making one, and he's not going to spend the money if there happens to be some salary cap space left. He's not just going to throw it away and spend it just because it's there. He, he realizes this team comes back from last season. You at least have a pretty good team that came awfully close to beating the team that ultimately won the Stanley Cup. Just a few tweaks need to be made here and there. And also, let's not forget, you haven't from now until the end of February to make those tweaks. It's not like they have to be done right now. They're not in the position to go after a big guy like John Tavares It's just small little moves here and there. Other than that, the the core is as good as any in the NHL. I still believe that. and uh, I'd go with that core against just about anyone in the league.
1: The Hunwick thing is funny to me. Did you catch the specifics on that, what the conditional is on the pick that came back, Steve? Did you see that?
2: Yeah, I guess if he gets shipped out. Uh, if a Sabres trade him, then it becomes
1: a third. Is that right? That's the funniest part to me. Is that okay? Like I get it. It's a it's a fourth round pick for the two of them. So basically, it's Sherry for a fourth round pick, and we'll do you the favor of taking Hunwick away as well. But if we can manage to spin him for something, anything worthwhile, then we kick it up to a third round pick. So it's like, we're doing you the favor of taking Hunwick, assuming we're not going to get anything for this and we're just going to pay it because we want Shiri for just a fourth. But like, how much of an ego blow is that to Matt Hunwick? Like, the compensation goes up if I do get traded from the team that's trying to get me. That hurts.
2: Yeah, I guess. I guess. It's, uh, it also says something about the Buffalo Sabres, too. I mean, they're perennial sellers. At oh, the trade yeah. deadline. So, uh, you know, we know the situation that they're in. I don't see them contending for any Stanley Cup next season so uh I could absolutely I could see Matt Huntwick rebounding as long as he stays healthy having a pretty good year on the blue line and then at the trade deadline maybe there's a team assuming he's able to stay consistent stay healthy and then the Sabres do shut him up I could see that absolutely happening uh I was a fan of Matt Huntwick when he was healthy before he had the series of injuries which included a concussion and, and something else he was dealing with uh, I thought he was pretty solid, you know. It was, it, I think his agent said uh, earlier today, if if he doesn't have those injuries, we're not in this situation. And I would agree with that. I, he's been a solid pro throughout his entire career. Was a total pro in Pittsburgh, despite being a healthy scratch and in and out of the lineup, and couldn't really get into a rhythm after he had the concussion. So I wish him all the best. And uh, as far as the Penguins are concerned, with the the deal that was made, the I think in both cases, the benefit is the clearing of salary cap space. So they move on from Connor Sherry, had a feeling that was going to happen, move on from Matt Hunwick, and the benefit is now they've got some breathing room with the cap.
1: How certain are they that they're going to be able to get something done with Shane?
2: well Jim Rutherford said earlier today, it sounds like it's moving in the right direction. It sounds like it's going to get done. Uh, if not, then... They, you see how deep they are at center. It's, it's not too much of a concern, Well, yeah, yeah, that's but. what I
1: was getting at is, you know, his connection to Broussard and Broussard's connection to him. I'm just wondering if one plus one equals two there, if they've got to open up room. Like if what he said today, and he seemed a little, I don't want to say frustrated, but a little disappointed that they couldn't get something done longer term with Shane. So it strikes me then that what? They're, they're not going to give him a lesser number over more years, so they're going to have to pay more now. And if they pay more now, then that's counterproductive to what they want to do for this year's cap. Is that more all the likely to influence them to trade Broussard? Or am I reading that backwards? Should I then say that they're going to hold on to Broussard and they might not be able to hold on to Shea in?
2: Well, I wouldn't look into it too much. I just think that as far as the, the term with uh, what Jim Rutherford said earlier today, that, or the, as far as the, the salary cap number and uh, the, the amount of space that they have, I think it's now in a situation where they can go after, they can get the amount that they're looking for. If it doesn't work out, then uh, this team is pretty deep now with Broussard in there. But also we can't forget about a guy, Teddy Bluger is uh, one that they've been raving about. And they do feel that he is ready to play at least some NHL level center, or at least a, uh, a forward position at some point here pretty soon. So uh, not only are they deep at the NHL level, but prospect-wise, especially with a guy who's right on the cusp like a Teddy Bluger, uh, maybe we could see him at some point as uh, a guy who gets the call up and could be playing in a bottom 6 role. He got called up last year, didn't get an opportunity to play in a game, but he got a little taste of what the NHL life was like. So, uh, yeah, I think uh, Riley... Did did, did he he play with Sprung today? Jen likes it here, so that's working in their favor. Like they, if there was like some type of a hometown discount or uh, just the appeal of being with Pittsburgh, I think is there for Riley Shin. He knows it's a good situation. He would be wise to uh, stick with whatever the Penguins are telling him.
1: Did he play with Sprung in the Miners?
2: Ah, that I don't know. I don't know who uh, was primarily the the centerman for Daniel Sprung, but I just know the Penguins are really high on Teddy Bluger and. Uh, and I was impressed by him when I when I met him at that brief time when he was called up. Uh, I think it was might have been in December, January. He, he was just an impressive kid, and uh, you see the ability. He's just like a, a really smart guy. I think he told me it's one of the guys he tries to emulate is a Patrice Bergeron. He just loves the way that Bergeron plays in a two way style. So uh, really impressed by him. Great pedigree from Shattuck, the prep school, the same one with Johnson and, and Sidney Crosby, and uh, and uh, outstanding career in college and uh, a little bit of taste of the pro game last year
1: yeah I'm thinking to myself one of those four right wingers has to play the fourth line and I'm trying to figure out who it is and what makes the most sense unless of course you take Brian Rust and you put him over on the left side correct because the left side right now is in essence Carl Hagelin Jake Gensel Zach Aston Reese and it seems to make more sense to me to have Rust be on the left side, and Aston Reese be a fourth line left winger, than it is to have any of those four right wings have to be on a bottom line if it's with Teddy Bluger instead of Riley Shane. For all the good things you're saying, I understand. That's why I brought up the Sprong thing, Steve. Is that there's some chemistry there that maybe that would make more sense?
2: Yeah, based on what I've seen, like Bluger at least at the moment is projected as a bottom six guy, and Sprong is definitely a top six guy. I think he's got to be if he's going to be successful at the NHL level. So, uh, yeah, if, if there is that chemistry, that might be something to watch out for. But, and I don't have my Penguin depth chart in front of me to see how it all shakes out. But uh, the, the good news is they got a lot of options. they got a lot of players who are really versatile. We saw that with Zach Aston Reese last year. Everybody raves about the versatility of Brian Ross. He kind of reminds you of the way the Penguins used to use Pascal Dupuis. It doesn't matter first line through fourth line doesn't matter what side it's on they get the power play penalty kill brian ruff can play just about every single position so to have players that are uh that fluid in the lineup is really beneficial and that's why the penguins went out and they gave brian ruff the extension
1: real quick before we go here steve uh since we joked about it before with anthony eme who's the backup goalie next season to start the year is it jari DeSmith smith or someone not yet on the roster
2: oh good question i hadn't even thought about that one uh but it kind of Goes back to the playoffs, and I, I guess the incumbent would be Casey DeSmith. And, and until he shows that uh, he's taken a step backward, I, I've got to think that it's Casey DeSmith. I mean, you know that Tristan Jari is a former second round pick. He won a Memorial Cup. He has this outstanding resume all the way up to the NHL, and he played really well when he was at, at the NHL level. Uh, Casey DeSmith may be a little bit better, but for me, I'm, I'm sticking with Casey DeSmith as of right now, and ultimately Tristan Jari. He will have a probably lengthy career in the NHL. Uh, he's done it at just about every level that he's played at. He's been a winner in the American Hockey League in Wilkes-Barre. So I have no concerns about Tristan Jari. If just goalies take a little bit more time. Casey DeSmith is older. I think he can be a more than capable backup to Matt Murray, and we saw that last year. I'm going to go with DeSmith as a backup, at least to start 2018 19
1: Steve, thanks. Appreciate it. We'll talk again soon.
2: It was a lot of fun, Tim. Talk to you later.
1: Yeah, well, we'll, I'll give Dallas a second chance, I promise, at some point. Steve Mears, AT&T Sportsnet, play-by-play voice of the Pittsburgh Penguins on the TV side. Okay, we're good to go when we come back with Paul Rudd? All right, if you didn't check this out yet, I I played on the DVE morning show. It's up at Breakfast with Ben's on the Trib. Ant-Man knows the Steelers of the 70s better than you do. That's coming up next, and we put the Paul Rudd test to the test. We come back, Tim and for Adam in Pittsburgh. Actually, you know what? This is this is a decent song to come back with. I was a little upset at Woken Thomas over there that didn't get the uh, Steeler polka up in the eight seconds that I asked him to do it. By the way, bad news: the guy that founded. The Franco's Italian Army died. Did you see that? 89 years old. The Franco's Italian Army. I I forgot his name. I don't have it in front of me. But I I learned that from Richie Walsh's Twitter account, too. Wow. I learned about the huge upgrade from Matt Hunwick, the one point to Jack Johnson, and I learned about this. It's
3: a a riveting Twitter account. It's a recommended follow.
1: So, Tim in for Adam today. And um, I noticed this yesterday on Steeler Wire. I do some work for Steeler Wire, too. The Digital USA Today NFL Platforms. And they found from the Rich Eisen show, Paul Rudd, Ant-Man, on with Rich to promote Ant-Man and the Wasp. So again, to go back to Will Graves' point, I'm not going to see... Ant Man and the Wasp, but I didn't like Ant Man. Did you see Ant Man? Welcome, Tom. Are you saying you didn't like Ant Man? I didn't see it. Okay. Was it good? Phew. Was it the first one good? I, lo- I
0: love Ant Man. That's why I was Excellent. a little defensive. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Can't no, okay, wait. For okay. Easy. Second. Easy. I, okay. All right. I'm not gonna go after Paul Rudd. After what I know about Paul Rudd, now he's gonna become <laughs> an idol here in Pittsburgh if he wasn't already. So Paul Rudd is on, and they start talking sports. Obviously, and Rudd is widely associated with Kansas City because he was literally on the field partying with the Royals when the Royals won the World Series a couple years ago, and. He's a Chiefs fan, but I guess they moved from California to Kansas City in the middle of his youth, but he had grown up a huge Steelers fan to start. And he said, you know, he, I guess he's our age, like 40s, and uh, back then it was Steelers or Cowboys. If you didn't have an NFL team yeah. or live in an NFL city of your own or wherever he was in California, I guess there wasn't a real connection to the Rams or what have you or the Raiders. So um, he was a diehard Steelers fan, like a diehard Steelers fan. And that's how they kind of went down this rabbit hole in the Rich Eisen show, where Eisen started to quiz Paul Rudd about his Steelers' knowledge, and they had the producers uh, take him to task. Do uh, Rocky Blyer, to start. He's
0: 20. 20, Mm -hmm. correct. Mm -hmm. When Swan, 88. Benny Cunningham, 89. Larry Brown, 79. Nailing it, (laughs) actually. This is... Theo, or, or do this. The, Theo Bell, Theo T Bell, Bell 83. Yeah, 83, correct. Yeah, right. If you want, Come on. say a number and I'll see if I can get that player. Nice. 63. 63. Was that Ernie Holmes? Tom oh, Dornbrook. Oh, no. Oh, wait. Tom Dornbrook. Yeah. yeah. Oh, right, 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 right. Ernie Holmes was, he was before 79. Okay. Give another one. 47. 47 was Mel Blount. Correct. 59. 59 was Jack Ham. 52. 52, Mike Webster. They're all correct. Fantastic. Pretty impressive. Paul Rudd, everybody. 58 for the win. 58 for the win would be Jack Lambert from Kent State University.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, now some of those are layups, right? (laughs) But... When he got to Theo Bell, number 83, like there are diehard Steeler fans who lived and breathed every moment of those games that wouldn't come up with Theo Bell like that.
3: Oh, it's, a, it's insane even for the most intense. And when fans. he
1: caught himself on Ernie Holmes, number 63, like I knew he was legit. Yeah. Like, I have to think to myself, did Ernie Holmes get three? I know he didn't get four because John Banaszak was there 76, by the way. Greg Hawthorne, 27. Sidney Thornton, 38. Like I, I could do that just like him. But I'm not gonna do that. I'm not gonna cheat in our competition. Because I, I I did this on the DV morning show today with the the guys like Ray Penny, seventy four, Steve Corson, seventy seven. Like I'm I'm not gonna go down the same path. <laughs> so I will open it up now. I, I will do Penguins, the nineteen ninety two Penguins, ninety one, ninety two penguins. Oh, okay. All right, now you have said you have a Paul Rudd-like memory, Brian, as it relates to the I, 1983 uh, Orioles. I,
3: I don't know if it's Paul
1: Rudd-like that, was that the scene on that...
3: another level, but yeah, 1983 Orioles were a big deal for me and followed them closely, and I think I remember most. of
1: them. Okay, so was that actually, was that a 1983 Prince song? Is that why you bounced back with that? Was that just coincidence? Yeah, that's, yeah, that's why. That's He's exactly right. He's lying to you, Tim. Thomas is woken. He's full he is of it woken. He was, we, woken. we have to mourn Prince. That was a very woken thing to do. When woke Paul, Thomas. Everything had to become purple. Remember that.
0: If you're woke, <laughs> that's what you did. All right. So, what do we have? What are the rules? What are the parameters here? Uh, do you guys want to go back and forth, or do you just we'll want go to go back to... and forth? All right. So, and you're going to go sometimes numbers, sometimes names. Yeah, like I'll, they did I'll, there. I'll switch it up. I'll start with the names though, and I'll start with you, Tim, with one of the pens from ninety-one, ninety-two. Real
1: quick, you're keeping score, Tom.
0: I keep score. You want okay. me to keep score? No computers. Okay. No
1: phones. And if there's a tiebreaker, we're going to try to get the other one's team, correct? Like, correct. We're going to do 10. That's the tiebreaker. And then we get, like, we need a tiebreaker. I'm going to try. That. You can save the easiest ones for later, right? Correct. Lemieux and Yager don't count. Everybody knows 66 and 68. That doesn't count. Like, you better have saved something harder for him. Damn it. See? <laughs> like, I got three in my head that... I- more in my head that I know from the Orioles, off the top of my yeah. head, that I know I can do. You've got
3: more than me than I know about the 91, 92 pens. You knew
0: 68 and 66. Yeah, I
3: know that, but you just took them off the table, so now I'm screwed.
0: All right. <laughs> okay, let's go. Let's do this. All right, we'll start with you, Tim. Give me Jay Caulfield's number. Jay Caulfield was... 14. 16. Six... Mm. Brian? Yes. Eddie Murray? Eddie Murray was 33. See, that's one right. I would have gotten... You saved, you took that one off the Well, table? Was, I'm giving easy ones out for you guys first to start. All right. Like, Tim, for example, Tom Barrasso. 35. There you go. Mm-hmm.
1: All right, so 1-1 one, one right now. Go ahead. All right, what you got?
0: Leo Hernandez. Three. Yeah, number
1: three. Oh, nice. now, Jay Caulfield is going to screw
0: me over on this watch. <laughs> All right, I'll switch to a number this time. Number eight for the Penguins. Oh, I was Recky. Yep. No, wait, no, no, I'm sorry. 92? Oh, because you're You're going back to the start of 91. 91, 91-92 season, yeah.
1: Okay, because he got traded before the playoffs.
0: But he's on the roster.
1: Okay, all right. All right, so I got that
0: one then. Sure, yeah. Okay, all right. Number 37, Brian.
1: stormy daniels what stormy Dan-
3: <laughs> i'm thinking storm davis but i don't think
1: stormy daniels it. might have been doing porn back in
0: 1983 uh, now to think about it yeah 30 you got five seconds seven you're gonna set the silence Singleton. alarm off here oh
1: no uh, Renicky?:
0: nope john shelby
1: oh shelby. oh john shelby oh wow now she remembered more as an Oriole or a
3: dodger I think a Dodger, honestly, because okay. I mean, I that like was my John team. Shelby. I do remember Shelby, but I, I think he had more of All a right. career naturally. Or
1: even after three rounds. All yeah, 2-2. Right. Two, two.
3: Damn you, Shelby.
0: Number 32. Tags. Tags, yeah. Number 23. Oh, I know
1: this one. I uh, might know this one. If I Can I steal and get an extra steal. point? I'll,
0: I'll allow
3: the steal. Is that... Tippy Martinez. It is oh, Tippy Martinez. T- oh, T- 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 Damn.
1: I had it. <laughs> Tippy. <A. laughs> how, how much carryover was there between seventy nine and eighty three? There was a fair amount, right? It was a fair
3: amount. Yeah, okay. I mean right. Ripken was a new addition. Um, yeah, there's pretty,
1: pretty eight. Good I rate. know that
0: one. Don't give him. If you give him eight for the win, I'm going to kill you. That's just, <laughs> I, I'm holding a eight. bat. He doesn't have eight. All right. Number thirty eight, Tim. Ooh, the thirty eight was. Herdina? Yuri Herdina.
3: Wow. Nice, Tim.
0: Number fifteen, Brian. This is the most vanilla. Yuri or name on Jan the Jan back then. I think then. it was Yuri. Okay.
1: Yeah, Yuri back then, yeah. Jan was the was the one that just kept the giving the puck to Yager. Number fifteen. Number fifteen. Was it uh Paul Rudd was better at this than us. He was oh, faster. much better. Much better. much better.
3: <laughs> Let's say I'm gonna
1: sixteen, you said? Fifteen. Fifteen. Oh, I know this one too. I'm gonna get this. I'm and I'm, I'm gonna steal. You're gonna get the steal. I'm gonna get the steal on this.
0: I'm gonna say McGregor. I know it's, it's not, not right McGregor. Now. It's Reneke. It's not Reneke. Oh, it's Dan Ford. Ford. Dan Ford.
3: Yeah, he oh, came in the lead. He barely played that year.
0: Hey, he was part of the team. <laughs> okay. Oh. All right, we'll switch back to names. Jim Pock two. Damn. Tim's crushing you, by the way. Yeah, I
3: know. Thanks for uh, bringing that up.
0: <laughs> Give me uh, Bobby Bonner's number. Wait, wait, we were,
1: we were allowed to give Jim Pack's nickname as given to us by Phil Bork on the air many years ago. It's probably politically incorrect now, but you used to call him Bobby Oriental. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, no.
0: Bobby Bonner. What number? Bobby Bonner. Two. Number two. Nice. Woo! Troy Loney. 24. 24, wow. Tito Landrum. Tito Landrum Wow. 30... Wait, wait, wait a minute, he was an Oriole
3: for a bit, like two years. Remember when
1: Tito, La- Tito Landrum became famous in one of the in '85 with the Cardinals he yeah, took over Card- for Vince Coleman because Vince Coleman got rolled up in the tarp yeah. in the tarp, and then Tito Landrum like hit 320 in the World Series or something like that. Was
0: he 32? He was 39. Uh, uh, like, hold on, so wait
1: a minute, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. I've got six. You've only got four. Brian's got four. Is this, uh, is this a clinch it? Or I, I've really got a gag down the stretch here.
0: Yeah, we'll make this one the clincher. Number 22 for the Penguins in ninety one ninety two. This is incredibly hard. Well, it is, is this a trick question? Because I'm going to go Ernie Holmes on this one. I don't think it's a trick question. It's not that. At the end of the season, it was Tockett, right? 22? Because yeah. he was 22 and 92. Tockett was 92 according to this roster. Right.
1: But he switched. I think he came over as 92. And 22 was, wasn't 22 Stanton, and then Stanton became 23? You nailed it. Nice. I think that's what happened.
3: I'm so outclassed here. You nailed it.
0: See, that's why you're a star, uh, Tim. Just give me Rich Dower's number. Rich Dower... 15?
3: 25. (laughs) I knew there was, I got the five right. I would have gotten Eddie
0: Murray. Uh, I would have
1: gotten Ripken. I would have gotten Dempsey was 24, right? Correct. Yeah, 24. And I would have gotten Palmer was 21. Palmer was twenty two. Palmer two. Twenty
3: twenty two. Oh, okay. Yeah, and then you what got was McGregor. McGregor There's,
1: was six, 16? sixteen.
3: Sixteen okay. was McGregor. Yeah, I got that wrong.
0: Do you know what Bodicker was?
1: Bodicker was no. uh, fifty two. Fifty two. Johnny LeMeister was twenty two. Right. I have
0: to check on that one.
1: I think he was. Was yeah. Johnny LeMeister on yeah, yeah. Before yeah. he came to the Pirates. Yeah, he was down there. <laughs> yeah.
3: Yeah.
1: Uh. You didn't
3: throw out a Len Ciccata or anything like that either. Len Ciccata? like yeah.
1: You're basically giving me my baseball card collection. Yeah, there. yeah, exactly. You know what number
3: he was? Cicata? Uh cicada was...
1: Oh,
3: man. 12? Lee May on 12. that team? 12? He was 12. Yeah, number 12. Lee May? Lee May. Or was he
1: back in, like, 79? Was he more, like, earlier?
3: I don't know if he made it... He was earlier, but I don't know if he was all the way through 83. No I, Lee May. No?
0: No. Yeah. Um, Would you have known Storm Davis? Storm Davis was like 48. and yeah, 42? 34.
3: Ah, oh, man. Boy, Paul Rudd would have kicked our asses Oh, big so time. Bad. Big time. And he's got superhero money. Which just adds injury to insult. We could do Paul Rudd movies.
1: <laughs> 40-Year-Old Virgin. Awesome. This Great is movie. 40. Awesome. Great movie. Ant-Man. Ant-Man and the Wasp. Awesome, awesome. Wonderlust. Awesome. I love you, man.
3: Wanderlust, an underrated movie. Very uh,
1: good. Uh, what was the one? Is that, was, was that the one that was here? Wanderlust? No, I can't no, remember. No, they were like
3: in a hippie village for that one.
0: Yeah, but that could have been like Uniontown or something like that. <laughs> no? He's the teacher in the one you're thinking of. Uh, Perks of being a wallflower. Perks
1: of being a wallflower. Was That's a role what it Yeah, role models. He's in that, that too. one. Anchorman. Yeah,
0: Anchorman oh God, God, too? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Of course, Anchorman. Come on, I've got to go with that one.
3: Wow. Dude, do you think he's going to become that guy in Pittsburgh now? Like, I mean, I know we've reached out to him in the past because we we've known he's a Steeler fan and we've reached out to him in the past to try to get him on. He didn't come on. Thanks a lot there, Paul. But do you think he becomes like that? Like the Steelers are flying him in for big playoff games, that sort of thing <laughs> doing the terrible towel. Yeah. Wave on the you side know, line. like exactly,
1: exactly. It could get to that level. It almost has to, I think. Right. Right. No, I could, I could easily, I could have much more quickly and easily. I got through the penguin. I only made, I only duffed one, right? Only screwed up on Caulfield. Yeah, I think that was the only one. I only missed by two numbers. I thought that was going to be one. You thought that was going to be a layup up. for me? Yeah. No. Well, I, I more remember the playoffs from that year. I don't know how much you played in the playoffs down the stretch, but
3: yeah, we should have moved on because you just kicked my ass there, Tim. <laughs> so why do you keep bringing it back to that? Who was number
0: fifty-five? Larry Murphy. He's too good. Shell was twenty-three. Olf was five. Okay. Okay. All right. okay. We get it.
3: Hey, in my defense, I had to remember all the way back to 83, okay? I'm not, I'm not trying Good to pull any cards here, but that's like an extra couple years. There. All right, so
1: um, <laughs> when we come back, we will get back to football. We will not do the numbers game with Matt Williamson, but uh, this is my last segment here in for Adam before West takes over on Thursday and Friday, and I'm exhausted. So we're going to play Matt Williamson again, <laughs> talking about whether or not Ben Roethlisberger is really a top-ten quarterback or was David Carr onto something. That's next here on The Crowley Show.
2: Enough. Adam Crowley on ESPN Pittsburgh.
1: In for Adam all week, I am Tim Benz. Pleased to be joined right now, as promised, by Matt Williamson from the Steeler Radio Network, as well as SNR and WilliamsonFootball.com, former pro and college scout. He joins us often here to talk about uh, lots of things surrounding the Steelers and the rest of the National Football League. Matt used to work for ESPN, of course, and now he joins us to talk about the NFL Network rankings of quarterbacks from a former quarterback David Carr and the glaring omission of Ben Roethlisberger from the top 10. Matt, do you agree with him?
4: In a way. You know, I didn't see his rankings, but I do realize, obviously, that he didn't put Ben in the top 10. And it's interesting, because what I'm working on right now at WilliamsonFootball.com is I'm going position by position and giving my top 10 ranks. And I started with quarterbacks, and I put Ben 10. So... Maybe I'm not that far off with Carr. And, and to me, there's 11 guys who I really considered possibly making the top 10. I decided to cut Cam Newton out of that group, but Ben was the next cutoff. He was 10. And it's close. I mean, some of the guys ahead of him, you can make arguments. But um, so that's where I'm at on him.
1: I've got Breeze, Brady, and Rodgers, of course, being obviously ahead of him. When healthy, I suppose you put Carson Wentz up there too. Who else do you determine to be a lock better than Roethlisberger? Where do you? Because I could see him more than likely being in most four to six ranges. That's where I would put him. I wouldn't have him as low as ten. Who do you have in between like five and ten? Then Matt, that uh, makes you put him on the bubble.
4: Yeah, I think Rodgers and Brady stand alone. You know, they're they're in their own category. Then there's a gap and really bends in that next tier, and you can make an argument that he's right there. I went with Matt Ryan at number three, and reluctantly, I mean, I bet somebody takes that away from him. You know, Wentz is the one that's the obvious example to me. I also had Andrew Luck high with an asterisk by him. You know, I mean, when healthy, but maybe people wouldn't put Luck in their top ten. I just think he's a phenomenal player when healthy. Obviously, you just say that over and over with him. Um, I like Rivers. I like Stafford better than Ben right now, too. And Rivers is coming off a phenomenal year. I'm not sure I'm missing anybody, but there was, in the AFC, Ben, Brady, Rivers, and Luck. And then there were six from the NFC. Russell Wilson's the one I didn't mention. I didn't have a head of uh, Ben as well.
1: See, I would put Ben at number 5 and Wilson just a shade behind him. Uh, maybe bump them both down to 6-7 and seven, as opposed to 5-6 and six, if I'm going to put Wentz in there because he is coming back from injury. Um, I guess, Matt, I'll ask you the same thing I would ask David Carr in this situation is what are we using then as the overarching criteria and why are we more assured, at least in your opinion, that the likes of Wentz and Luck will come back from injury as opposed to age catching up to Ben?
4: Yeah, and uh, the way I phrased mine was: this isn't betting on how good they're going to be the next year or two. It's just how good they are, in my opinion, right this second.
2: You know, their
4: body of work combined, obviously, with a lot of recency bias. Um, you know, what have we seen from them lately? Where are they in their careers? And one thing I sort of held against Ben. And he played really well in the second half of the season. I mean, it sounds like I'm bashing him, but I really am not. I've been a supporter for a very long time. But one thing I held against him is I think his situation supporting cast is probably the best in football. You know, I, I said I did these other ranks. You'd be surprised. I'd Levy you on Bell a little bit lower than you probably think. But Antonio Brown was my number one uh, wide receiver. The Castro's my number two guard. I would put the Sealer offensive line overall in the top five. And he's
1: got a lot around him. That's exactly what David Carr said. He suggested, oh, yeah, he suggested that Bell and Brown are the reason why he's as good as he is. And what was ironic to me about that was, well, number one, there are two things ironic to me about that. Number one is that he has Matt Ryan in eighth then, and Matt Ryan has Julio Jones and Devontae Freeman. Um, he doesn't talk about the offensive lines. In fact, I'd go so far to say as the offensive line support is actually a bigger deal than the two skill players. But the other thing that's funny about that to me is if you took away what uh, Ben did as far as numbers went without Bell and without Brown, they are right 100% in line with his overall statistics for his career. Like if you take his career stats and you take the six games that he's had the last two years without Bell or Brown... And even if you look at the one where he didn't have either of them against Denver at 339 yards and completed like 65% of his passes when he threw 39 times, it doesn't appear to me that there's a a noticeable statistical seismic drop when those guys are taken from him at separate times.
4: Uh, Maybe you're right. I mean, I haven't studied that. I'll certainly take your word for it. But I really do think, again, it sounds like I'm bashing him. I have him the 10th best quarterback in the league, Mm. and I could make an argument that he should be sixth or so. But I think he relies on Brown more than Brown relies on him, you know, and, and that should be symbiotic relationship. I mean, I think Brown is just out of this world and very deserved to be the number two player overall in that top 100. Uh, and I think that's a huge benefit. The other one is this is kind of stealing from pro football focus that Ben, when pressured as opposed to a clean pocket, has one of the biggest discrepancies in the league when he's kept clean. His numbers are phenomenal. When he's pressured, they're not. And, he's, and basically, he's, he ain't what he used to be in terms of ad-libbing and, you know, shrugging guys off and making unbelievable Aaron Rodgers-like plays, but he has the best protection in the league. So if he were in Seattle and, you know, or many other situations, and Atlanta's not a good example, and you put up a good reason there that Ryan has a great supporting cast too, I think some of his deficiencies would be more exposed.
1: Yeah, I see that. I guess when I look at... I'm trying to take in all the factors, and, and where I picked apart Cards' argument was, you know, if he's putting Ryan in there, like we said, you could just say that it's for the same reasons that he's suggesting Ben should be out. He's got a good supporting cast. If he's saying that mm-hmm. stats matter, well, actually... Statistically, he had Cam Newton and uh, Russell Wilson in there. Well, Ben has better stats in most areas than Russell Wilson and Cam Newton. Um, You know, he suggested he drew an equivalency that he wouldn't win as many games without Brown and Bell. Well, okay, if it's about winning, then you've got Phil Rivers, Jimmy Garoppolo in there, and his own brother, Derek Carr up that high. And those got Stafford, he's got those guys in there. They haven't won close to as consistently as Ben Roethlisberger for a long stretch of time. So where, where I keep coming back to is if you want to try to incorporate everything, Ben has leveraged himself on all the fronts to add up to being in the top 10 better than the others have, if you follow my drift.
4: I very much do, and I think your argument, in a nutshell, is Ben's resume is very strong any way you want to look at this argument. Right, and he's, he's
1: got enough stats, right. he's got enough supporting cast, or doesn't, he's got enough uh, winning Rings. under his belt. Right, exactly.
4: Absolutely, and I have no rebuttal for that. You know, mine is more the eyeball test, who do I think is playing better football right this minute? And I think a guy like Matthew Stafford is. And I don't think people realize how well Matt Ryan is playing. I mean, like, everyone looks at his numbers and said, boy, they really dropped off when Shanahan left. And, yeah, they did, but they were still, like, the ninth-best offense in the league. And, his, you know, he had an unbelievable amount of bad turnover luck. I know that some people were like, what the heck's that all about? Like, anything that he threw that was close to being an interceptable ball was. And a lot of interceptions off tips and things like that that he just – had an unlucky season, which hurt his stats a little bit. But he'll, you know, he'll come back to who he has been. But you're right. I mean, Ben's Ben's resume is very, very strong.
1: Matt Williamson with us from WilliamsonFootball.com and SNR Steeler Radio Network. Last two points, Matt. You alluded to it, so I'll go to it next. And that is Le'Veon Bell, who's number five in that top 100 list from the NFL Network uh, based on player votes. You said you had him lower than what I might expect. How much lower than? five do you think he should be
4: he's my fifth ranked running back wow
1: behind behind Gurley and who else
4: david johnson's number one and i think he's kind of out of sight out of mind and that's not fair to him but uh, he to me stands alone then Gurley, then elliot and i know the argument is elliot isn't half the receiver that these guys are and i think that's mostly true But if you remember him coming out of Ohio State, he was widely regarded as a major asset in the passing game. And I think he went to one of the worst coach teams in the league in Dallas. And they don't use him that way for some dumb reason, to be very honest with you. So I don't hold that against him. I think it's there, it's just not being used. And last year was an odd one for him with all the suspensions and all that, you know, a lot of offensive line injuries. He's a great player. And the one that everyone's going to not give me credit for, but I think Alvin Kamara is a very, very special player and is not fluky and is every bit the receiver Bell is much more of a big play threat. Yeah, he doesn't have the body of work or the workload, you know, that Bell does, but I just worry that Bell's declining a little bit.
1: Finally, then Matt and I talked at length about this filling in for Adam in the wake of this list. Uh, you see, Roethlisberger, you know he's in the top twenty. Uh, we can debate where he is amongst the co- the quarterbacks, but the players had him as number eighteen. Brown, Bell, uh, they had Shazier. You talked about DeCastro. Their overall strength along the offensive line. Cam Hayward was in the top one hundred, and that's really commensurate to the level of talent that they have had throughout the Tomlin era. So let me ask you this then. How much of their inability to get to a third Super Bowl under Mike Tomlin is because of Mike Tomlin himself? And have there been other factors like the Patriot factor, injuries, uh, just the the difficulty of getting there that often that should be a bigger deal when we talk about stuff like this?
4: Yeah, I don't put a lot of blame on Tomlin, that's for sure. I mean, When I finish this series, I'll probably do head coaches, and he'll absolutely be in my top ten. But it's sort of that Jordan factor. You know, like if you're in the East when Michael Jordan was in his prime, it's awful difficult to get to the finals. And clearly I'm talking about the Patriots. I mean, Brady's ridiculous. Uh, and Belichick will once again be my my uh, number one coach without question. I mean, it's, that to me is the biggest factor, is the big bad wolf is still howling up north. And, I mean, the Steelers have been remarkably – consistent and double-digit wins year after year, and they do have they have a very good talent. So I, I think it's rough to say why haven't they been better. I mean, they've been pretty darn good, but there's just a historic thing going on. And one thing I, I, I jotted down, Brady, of course, was number one on that list. Mm-hmm. And I didn't realize this, and I'm not a big I'm, – I'm certainly not a big fan of quarterback wins as a statistic, but – including the playoffs, Brady's been, he has started 288 games, you know, including the playoffs. And there's a lot of playoff games and they're all against quality appearance. He's won 223 of them. That's unbelievable. 223 out of 288. That's unbelievable.
1: No, it is. And that's part of what I said too. It's, you know, do we hold it against the Knicks that they never got by the Bulls or... You know, right. are we saying, is, is anybody in Pittsburgh saying, boy, the Seahawks should have gotten to more than two Super Bowls? Is any in Pits, anybody in Pittsburgh saying that the Broncos should have been more to more Super Bowls than one? Or the Giants? Like the, the Giants won two Super Bowls, should they've gone to a third. I mean, I just think we look at this insulated, so to speak, to our own fandom, if you catch my
0: drift.
4: Right, and, and to really go back in time, like if you ask my dad or my uncle, you know, I was too young, you were too young, but... Those Earl Campbell Oilers were supposedly basically the second-best team in the league, but the Steelers were kicking their butts.
1: Yeah, right. Yeah, same sort of thing. Right. All right, Matt. Well, I appreciate the time. Thank you very much. Uh, Where can people find WilliamsonFootball.com? How do they subscribe? Where can they read your stuff?
4: Yeah, just go to WilliamsonFootball.com. That's everything I'm writing right now, and I'm on Twitter at WilliamsonNFL. All
1: right, and we will listen to you on SNR, too. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so our thanks to Matt Williamson. Make sure you check him out at williamsonfootball.com, on the Steelers Radio Network, and on SNR as well. That'll do it for me. Wes is in tomorrow and Friday. Then uh, Adam Crowley will come back on Monday, and Thomas will show him how woke he has become in his absence. That's next uh, tomorrow at 4. You're listening to The Crowley Show.